going to read from Proverbs 1, 5 through 7. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of, the Lord, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 2, 1 through 8. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. We start today a brand new series that is just simply titled Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. How many of you know we need some wisdom for our day and time? Uh, our culture needs some wisdom, that's for sure. Um, I said it at first service, that or a spanking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, uh, we, we're going to, in this series, we're going to look at the, bur- the book of Proverbs, and we're going to look at some of the themes that come out of that. And we're going to start by looking at what Proverbs says that wisdom comes from, and that is a fear of the Lord, which is the foundation, the beginning, the, the place where wisdom begins today. Father, we come before you. Holy Spirit, we pray, would you be so present in this room right now? that you would speak to us in might and power through your word. God, I pray that you would give us a unique understanding of your word this morning to allow it to affect our lives so that we walk out of here as different people. We walk out of here thinking differently. We walk out of here having a greater understanding of your word. We walk out of here, God, with a, a hunger and desire to know you more and to follow after your ways. Jesus, we pray, would your spirit rest in this room, get past all of my flesh, all of my weakness. I pray that, Lord, you would speak through me, that not even a single word of my own, but, Lord, what comes from you. In the mighty and most holy name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen. You've learned so much through your life. If you could go back and give a warning, give a piece of advice, give wisdom, give something to your younger version of yourself, what would that be? What would you say? What would you try to convince your younger self of? Because how many of you know, like, there's moments in time we make decisions every single day. In fact, this is what I want to start with is understanding that we get to choose. We do. Uh, as Americans, we, we, we pride ourselves on that. We, we think of independence. We think of uh, our, our fiercely, like, I, I want to be, like, master of my destiny and make my choices, and I get to choose. But we also, how many of you know, we get to also reap the consequences of that choice, <laughs> which sometimes is not exactly. So we do. We get to choose. We get to choose the choices for our life, the path that we take. We get to choose who we let into our life the relationships we have, the people that we engage with. Um, how many? I said this all the time when I was a youth pastor. I said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The people you surround yourself with will determine who you are, who you become, and what kind of trouble you get yourself into. 
<laughs> Some of you, you've got that one friend. You know what I'm talking about. You get with them, and it's all bad news. <laughs> yeah, there's, some, there's a chance that you're going to do some, some fun things, but some wild things. We get to choose what we value, what we want, and what we pursue, what we do with our time, with our money, with our talents. We get to choose those different decisions for our life. And so, again, if you could go back to the younger version of yourself, like there's some, there's some choices I would love to have known the outcome before I made the choice. There's some decisions that I had to decide that I'm like, I wish I could have just seen three years into the future, saw the outcome to help me make that choice then, to decide what I need to do. And what I find with this is that direction, not intention, is what leads our lives. Let me explain that. I don't know if I've ever met a single person that in their prayer journal has wrote something to this effect. In 40 years from now, I want to be unhappy, broke, hate every relationship that I'm in, and like, like despise everything about my life. I don't know anyone who like in their private time with God's like that's their prayer request. Like I just want to despise everything about my life. No one's ever done that. Everyone's intention Everyone's desire, everyone's longing is that like when I get to that day like that I'm going to be happy and fulfilled and like that things are going to be going good. But the problem is this, is that it's not your intention or even your desire that creates the outcome of your life. It's the direction you take. Everybody that I know, they're like, I really want to save more money, but they don't necessarily follow through. They don't get on that path. Uh, I know lots of people are like, I I really, really want to lose weight, but then they see a donut, right? (laughs) I'm one of those. (laughs) Like every every person I know is like, I I, want to have like the ability to do this or that, but but their their direction doesn't follow their intention or their desire, and your direction is what creates your outcome, not your desire. If you don't change your path. Can I tell you something? I don't care how much you intend for something, how much you desire something, how much you want something to be true for your life. If you don't change the actual direction, you're never going to end up there. Let me tell you this from an incredibly theological movie that proves this to be true, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> right? So there's this scene in the movie Beauty and the Beast, the cartoon version, which is by far the superior one. Um, but there's this moment in time where Belle's dad gets lost in the woods. And he's stuck in this moment where he's got to make a choice. There's two paths that suddenly open up to him. There's one that goes to the right that it looks clear and there's like sunlight gleaming down on it. And this is the, the path his horse, who is the wise one of the two in this moment, Philippe wants to go. Right, Philippe's like, let's go down this path. And he's like, no, 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 let's go down this other one that's dark and crooked with narrow. And he's like, because it's a shortcut. And the horse is like, no. <laughs> We're going down this one. So he starts again and he yanks the horse. He's like, no, 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 We're taking the shortcut. Because in his mind, the thing that's most important is his time. It's his schedule. It's what he wants with his life. But Philippe, The horse is like, no, 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 our safety is what's really priority. Our safety is what really, really matters. And the result of his choice is in just a few moments, he ends up imprisoned, enslaved, and eventually his daughter taking his place. There was an outcome 
a consequence that came and followed his choice. See, I want us to wrestle with this this morning. Wisdom starts not with looking at appearance, but inquiring about source. Wisdom starts not with looking at appearance, but inquiring about source. Let me, let me prove this to you. Um, you get a, an email in your inbox, and it says something along these lines. I would like to sell you a plot of land in Jamaica for $5,000. And if you give me your credit card information right now <laughs> and purchase said plot of land, you can turn this into a perfect tourist destination and make close to $35,000 a month. Right? On the surface, the offer, the appeal, on the surface, the appearance is, this is an incredible deal. But the source is someone who's trying to take you for all your money. Someone who's trying to stick you with um, the bill for whatever it is they want to buy and whatever it is that they want to do. Let me give you a few others. Um, Think about like Snow White and the Poison Apple or like church potlucks, right? The dish looks good, but who made it? Um, or, hey, I'm calling to talk to you about your vehicle's extended warranty. Or there's this one I just saw recently. It was on a, a, a YouTube channel, and basically it was a video of a guy who was watching somebody else's, like, cooking video. And the, the picture comes up, and it's this lady who had baked a cake, right? And this cake looked amazing. Like, I was like, I could, I could, I could destroy that whole cake. It looked so good. But then it cuts, and it shows, like, her process of making the cake. And it cuts to, like, the opening scene where she's getting ready to mix the ingredients, and there's cats everywhere. And she's allowing the cats to lick every single piece of, like, the, like, she would get, like, a scoop of sugar and be like, here, you want some to the cat? And then she would, like, drop it into the thing. Like, and instantly, what went from appearance of looking delicious and amazing, you're like, don't eat that. (laughs) See, wisdom starts not with looking at appearance but inquiring about the source because looks can be deceiving and they can attempt to get you to make a choice that can have devastating outcomes. And that is what the enemy does. That's how he works. See, the, cho- the, the, the choice of source is actually a choice about wisdom. It's a choice of Am I going to trust what God says or what seems right to me now? Am I going to choose what God's word has declared to be true or what my feelings, desires, or my culture has said I should pursue? Am I going to choose what has been clearly revealed through the word of God and what my loving father who cares greatly about me has instructed me? Or am I going to choose my will once desires in my own way. What are you going to trust? Which are you going to allow to guide your life? What are you going to allow to lead where you go and the choices that you make? What are you going to choose to do? Because the truth is, is that your enemy all throughout your life is going to constantly keep putting things in front of you that seem like wisdom. But its source is from the very heart your enemy. It's going to seem appealing, seem beautiful, 
seem lovely, seem delicious, but it's full of poison. It's death wrapped in wrapping paper, like a shiny little object. Let me prove this to you. Going all the way back to our early ancestors, Adam and Eve, choosing death framed as wisdom. And it says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, I want you to notice very carefully, we're going to pick this apart. Watch the method by which the enemy works. Watch how he creates poison and death to look appealing. Did God really say, you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, because if you do, you will die. Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. There's this board game that uh, I've played that it's a really interesting one. It's called Snake Oil, and essentially, it's kind of like apples to apples if you ever played it, but essentially... One person, like if, if we were playing and Red was the judge for this round, he would have a card that would say like pirate. And all the rest of us, we've got a card that has something we now have to try to sell to him that's outrageous. Like there's no reason he would ever want to buy it. But so you have to be the best salesman you possibly And I have to convince Red as a pirate that he wants to buy this item. So what I'm doing in that moment is I'm putting on the best marketing mind that I can to take what is useless and convince him that I have the best argument. And then he makes a choice and he picks one. So everyone in that moment, like if you're playing with five people, they're all giving him a convincing argument while their item is the best, even though it's junk. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Our enemy is the master manipulator. He is phenomenal at taking poison and death and selling it to you as life and wisdom. If you'll just sample this, it'll make you happy. If you'll just try this. It'll finally fulfill you. I want you to see the sequence of events. Number one, he caused them to question God's word. One day he asked the woman, did God really say? He, his plan and method hasn't changed in thousands of years. It always starts with getting you to question God's word. Does it really say that? Does it really still apply is it really that important? Does it really, like, there's there a way around it? Like, can you, can you maybe just fudge on it a little bit? Like, it's, it's not, I know his word says that, but, see, the enemy's trick is it always starts with questioning God's word. But then notice that he takes a quick turn of events. She responds to him by saying, no, no, God didn't say that. She says, that, you know, we can eat from any of the trees in the garden except for the one that's in the middle. And then, he, you know, you won't eat of it or even touch it, you will die. And notice the second thing the serpent does. He goes, you won't die. He moves from questioning God's word to outright contradicting it. It doesn't apply anymore to you. Maybe it applied back then, but it, it won't kill you now. It's not that big of a deal. You won't die. He completely comes against it. 
But then he also does something else. He causes us to doubt the very nature of God and God's heart towards us. He says to them, God knows if you do this, your eyes are going to be opened when you eat it, and you're going to be like God knowing both good and evil. In other words, what, what Satan was saying is, God doesn't want you to have it. He's withholding it from you because he, he really doesn't want you to like have everything that he has. In other words, your father doesn't have a good heart. Now, what's really interesting here is it's not like they had no concept of what good or evil was. Adam and Eve knew the truth of God's word, and they knew what they were supposed to stay away from. They knew what was good and healthy for them, and they knew what could kill them. So they already had it. So then what, what does this fruit represent? Well, I'll give you an example of it. The fruit represents a choice, right? Am I going to trust in my good, loving awesome, incredible father who has provided and cared for me and watched out for me and who has given me everything that I need for life and godliness, which is by far and away obviously the Granny Smith apple because it's the far superior of all the apples that there is. And if you think I'm wrong, you are wrong. <laughs> no, Granny Smith is like the bomb, unless you just brushed your teeth. And then it's like drinking orange juice right after. It's terrible. But then there's the choice of the enemy, Right? And this is for me to determine in my life what I think is right and wrong. This is for me to declare what is true and what is evil, what is good, what is wrong. To in my life with my rationale say this is right and this is wrong versus what God has declared already to be right and wrong. What he has presented is a choice. Do you trust your father? Do you trust the enemy? Do you trust his goodness or do you think he's holding out on you? Do you trust his nature and his character, which is provided for you countless times? Or do you think that he's withholding the best from you? And so the enemy, he paints the picture of poison with his laced tongue going, it's wisdom. Look how beautiful it is. Look how delicious it is. Look how scrumptious that looks. Your God's withholding from you. You need to just take for yourselves. He contradicts God's expressly conveyed word. And he offers an appealing version of wisdom. It's not really wisdom, but it's an appealing version of wisdom. He's like, you'll be like God. In other words, you can be God. You can determine for yourself what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. And can I tell you something? To this day, we still sample from that tree. To this day, we still try to go, well, I know God's word says, but like for me in this season of life and where I'm at, like, like I, he's not giving it to me, so I need to like take it over here because then I'll finally be happy. So I, I need to just, I need to sample from this tree because like, like, this sure looks like wisdom. It sure looks delicious. It sure looks good. It sure looks like what I need for my life. And we don't even see the fact that it's our enemy just licking his chops as he's handing you the choice. The enemy, he convinced them to death and to destruction. Read with me in verse 6. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw, watch this, that the tree was beautiful, its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Can I promise you something? When your enemy puts it in front of you, it's never going to look rotten, disgusting, and gross. 
it's going to look beautiful, delicious, and like it contains wisdom. Every time. But at its very core, it's poisonous and deadly. She took some of the fruit and she ate it and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. It looked delicious. It looked beautiful. It looked like it granted wisdom. The fruit of the enemy will never look rotten on the surface. The poison is always just past the appeal. This is what I love. Um, so here, you've got actually, obviously both of these are apples. Um, these are delicious. They're good. There's a tree in South America. It often grows along the beaches. In fact, some of the most beautiful beaches. And then a couple other spots as well. And it's called the Manchineel tree. It's got a fruit that looks delicious. In fact, it even smells sweet. And when you first taste it, it actually tastes pretty good. There's a problem. The fruit of that tree is one of the most poisonous fruits that there is. Just even touching it and rubbing it on your skin can create burns and literally boils on your skin from just the skin of that fruit touching your skin. If you eat it and swallow it, it can create blisters all in your mouth, slowly start to close your esophagus, start creating like issues with your esophageal lining, even like ulcers and stuff. Um, it messes with your entire lymph node system. It can kill you. It's so poisonous that if you get angry, you try to burn down the tree and you're too close to it and the wind catches the smoke and it gets into your face, the smoke from the tree will burn your eyes. And yet, on the surface, when you're walking across that beach, you're like, man, that looks delicious. It makes you want to grab a piece from it, pull it down, and take a bite of it. While I was driving to church, I was trying to figure out how to actually pronounce the word for the fruit. <laughs> I, I Googled and I found there was a, uh, a tourist who told his story of actually taking a bite of that fruit. Him and his friend who were traveling, they were along one of the beaches. They, they looked at it and they're like, oh, that fruit looks delicious. First of all, if you're ever on vacation and you don't know what it is, don't eat it. Right. <laughs> well, they popped it down, took a big bite of it. They said at first it tasted amazing, but then they said it, their mouth tasted like peppery. Next thing they know, their mouth was full of blisters, throat started to close up, started jacking with their insides, their entire lymph node system. He said it was absolutely horrible. And they're like, there should be signs put up everywhere for this. See, the thing is this, though. That fruit on the surface looks appealing, looks beautiful, looks delicious. And yet every single part of it is poison and death. See, wisdom starts not with just looking at the appearance of the fruit, the appearance of what the enemy is calling wisdom, but looking at the source. Adam and Eve, they wanted the right, the power to determine for themselves what good was and what evil was. And we fall into that all the time. We have been sampling that fruit for thousands of years. But wisdom, the scriptures tell us, it starts not with looking at the appearance, but it's inquiring about the source, inquiring about the core of it. Who are you going to trust when being offered fruit? Your father or your enemy? And what the scriptures tell us is that wisdom starts by understanding the fear of the Lord. Understanding the fear 
of the Lord. So let's take a look at this. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. The fear of the Lord starts with understanding that wisdom comes from outside us, not inside us. This is the problem with our culture today. Our culture goes, trust your gut. (laughs) Follow your heart. Pursue what you want and desire. Go after what your feelings are. Let me ask you this. Those of you who have ever worked with toddlers, how would that work if you looked at a group of toddlers, handed them a Sharpie, some scissors, some super glue, and it's like, trust your gut. Go do whatever you want, little champ. Right? Your room's about to be destroyed. <laughs> Everything about it is about to be wrecked to pieces because their little heart's going to be like, let's burn this place down. Right? We need to understand that the fear of the Lord, when we look at wisdom, it starts from outside us, not inside us. It starts from the truth of who God is, on the truth of his word, the truth of what he has declared, not what my heart wants in this, in this season. Because how many of you know your heart changes over time too? There's things that you longed for and you desired years ago that you don't long for and desire anymore. Let me prove this to you. Those of you who have been around long enough, you go back and you look at some old pictures of yourself. You ever looked at your clothing choice and went, what was I thinking, <laughs> right? You go back and you're like, you're looking at your friends and you're like, you let me wear that. And you didn't say anything to me, right? <laughs> right? Seriously. So what we understand is that, listen, wisdom starts outside us, not inside us. Listen to what it says again. Trust in what? Me? Trust in my desires? Trust in what I want? No, it says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Because my understanding is flawed. My desires are flawed. They're fleshly. They need to be refined under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Seek his will on all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Ever come across someone that, like, you know for a fact they know nothing on this subject, and you start talking to them and they think they're experts? Oh my goodness, you want to talk about the most infuriating. You're talking to them and they know nothing, but they're, they're, there's such an arrogance there where they're, I know, I know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're like, you know nothing. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You will have healing for your body, strength for your bones. Wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Why would the scriptures use the word fear? Why fear? And the answer is not because we have a different understanding of that. When we hear the word fear, we think of like scary movies or being terrified of snakes or spiders. Like that's not what that word is intended here. This is talking about a holy awe of God. A respect, an awe, an admiration, a, a complete and total astounding wonder at what he has done for you, who he is, how good and faithful and true that he is. The New Testament says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, it's saying, work out realizing how good God has been to you and just being like, I can't believe you came to the rescue for me. I, I, I can't believe that you gave your son for this. 
And so I want to honor you with my life. It's like if we had the opportunity to be in the presence of like a king or a queen, a president, a dignitary, um, being in the presence of a judge who's about to determine your case. This holy awe of their title and their position. Or like the top person in the world to give advice on a subject you know nothing about. Where you'd want to sit there and listen because you know they have such wisdom and understanding. That's why it uses the word fear there. Because we need to have a return to the awe of God. This is something that's been missing a lot in our day and time. We need to return to a holy awe of God. Because this is the number one thing the enemy wants to distract you from. If we have a holy awe of God, it determines our perspective. Let me, let me show you this. If we could go back in time, I think not even three minutes after the first bite of that tree that they shouldn't have, I bet you there's a moment where Adam and Eve are doing a 360 degree look. They're looking at every tree in this garden, apples, bananas, plums. They're looking at grapes. They're looking at kiwi. They're looking at whatever else. I don't know because I don't eat a lot of fruit. (laughs) But I'm sure there's a whole list, right? (laughs) And they're looking at it and they're going, all of this was available to us. He hadn't withheld from me. He'd given me everything I could think of. Like everything here is delicious. I'm surrounded by beauty and delicious food. My God didn't withhold from me. It's not like he was like, here's a banana for the rest of your life. That's all you're having. (laughs) No, he had given them everything that they could possibly want. Apart from one thing, because as a good father, he knew it would destroy them. A holy awe helps me because when the enemy comes to me with a choice that looks appealing, It looks delicious. It looks like wisdom. And it starts to try to weasel its way into my brain to go, you want this. I remind myself, no, 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 no. I've got a good father who has blessed me, who has provided for me, who has come through time and time again, who has watched out for me, who has been there for me and my family, who has given me an abundance, who has given me everything that I need for life and godliness. I don't need this because he's already given me all of this. And it exposes the ability for me to go, that looks a little rotten past the surface. That looks a little poisonous because I'm reminded of who my God is. When we return to an awe of God, it begs us to look into his greatness, his power, his wisdom, his understanding, his beauty, the truth of his word, the, the, the immenseness, the fact that he is rich in grace and mercy and in his love. Adam and Eve forgot who gave the command. The one who said don't eat is the one who gave them everything they need. The one who said this will kill you is the one who had already given them life. The one who said steer clear of that because I love you is the one who gave them option after option of joy and purpose and hope and blessing. He was not withholding from them. He was constantly giving to them. 
the only thing he was withholding from them was the thing that would destroy everything they love. And the enemy tried to weasel in and get them convinced of the exact opposite. Our perspective helps to shape our choice so that we don't listen to the perspective and the pitch line of the serpent. Are you aware of how often you hear the pitch line of the serpent? Oh, it's no different than, than the Garden of Eden. You hear this pitch line every single day. This will make you happy. If you finally take a bite of this, then you'll finally be happy. You'll finally have what you want. I, I know what God's command says, but look, just leave that there for a second and just come look under the tree, take up, get a little glimpse of it, and we're like, oh, that does look kind of good. That looks, let me just touch it. Maybe I'll just take a, a little bite, a, l- a little sample of it. it. It can't hurt anyone, right? And without realizing what we're doing is we're actually stepping away from the awe and the holy fear of God. And we're saying, I'm going to trust my will, my way, my plans, my desires. And it kills us every single time. Having an awe of God reshapes our perspective of the fear of the Lord. And then we need to yearn for his wisdom. Read with me from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. It says, my child... Listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. I don't know a lot about musical instruments, but I can tell when an instrument's out of tune and it doesn't sound good. And I know that because I can hear myself sing. And whenever something's out of tune, (laughs) it can become a problem. This is why I tell you all the time. If you're ever clapping in church, don't follow your pastor's beat because I'm going to lead you astray. I can't keep a beat. He says this, tune your ears to wisdom, concentrate on understanding, cry out for insight, ask for understanding, search for them as you would for silver, seek them like hidden treasures, and then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God, for the Lord grants wisdom. He is not holding out on you. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding, not from your culture. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and he protects those who are faithful to him. Yearn for his wisdom. Accept what he says is truth. One of the greatest, smartest moves that we can have when we're kids is trusting in the love of our parents. If they are true, if they are good, if they are a like healthy parent individual, they want what's best for us. And we can trust in that, right? We need to trust his word as truth. We need to treasure and store up in our life the direction that he gives. It says, search for wisdom like treasure. Seek it like s- silver. Uh, seek it like hidden treasure, like See, it is the most important thing that your life even does is having the wisdom that comes from God. Seek God in his word as being the most valuable thing in your life and that you can pursue. But can I tell you something? Listen to me. Let's go back to what we started the sermon with. Um, Your intention does not create your future. Your direction does. Yearning for wisdom is vital and important, but if all it does is stay there and it doesn't become action, it's useless. 
there's a lot of Christianity today that has the two choices, but they're over here going, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. As they eat the rotten fruit of the enemy. There's a lot of Christianity today that's saying, oh, no, no. I, and then they go, I don't even know how I got here, Pastor. I don't, how, how did I ever get into this situation? It's, like, well, I, I, it's because you've been eating the rotten fruit of the enemy. You can say, Jesus, I love you till you're blue in the face. But if your actions are leading you directly towards death every single day, can I tell you something? That's your outcome. It's going to be brokenness. It's going to be pain. It's going to be, it's going to be all these different kinds of things. Jesus said that many on that day are going to cry out to me, Lord, Lord. And he goes, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't even know you. See, the truth is this, is we have to understand. It's more than just yearning for wisdom. We have to follow his advice. Read with me from Proverbs chapter 3, 7 through 8. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. And turn away from evil. Not just fear the Lord, and they're connected. Turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. We have to turn from evil. Fear of the Lord requires action on our part. It means that we turn away from the poisonous fruit. I can promise you something. Every single person who has ever bitten into that manchineal fruit Within minutes is going, I wish I'd have made a better choice. As the blisters happen in their mouth, as like it's like on their skin, as their body is getting reeked with the pain that's come from that poison, every single person to a T is going, I wish I'd have made a better choice. I wish I wouldn't have plucked the fruit. I wish I wouldn't have sampled it. To fear the Lord is to turn from evil. And our ability to turn is based on our returning to an awe of God. They're connected. To fear the Lord is to turn from evil. And to turn from evil comes from fearing the Lord. They're together on purpose. Because I can turn away from the evil as the enemy presents it to me as a form of wisdom. I go, no, my God is good. And his word has always been true. And he's been faithful and he's been true and he's come through time and time again. And I can trust him, but I'm not trusting your cake that looks amazing that was cooked next to cats licking every spoon. I'm not doing it. I'm going back to the source. I'm going, no, no, I trust the source. My father is good. You are not. He wants life. You want death. So my fear of God is what helps me make my choice. It's the lens by which I look through. I can follow his advice as I look to the core, not the surface. Adam and Eve, while looked like wisdom and seemed delicious, can I tell you something? The effect did not match the appearance. It was painful if they would have just paused long enough to look around and gone, you know, he's not withholding from me. There's a lot of trees here. There's a lot of good things in my life. He's kind of blessed me a whole, whole bunch. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have that one thing, 
but that one thing might just kill me. If they would have just looked, if they would have just paused, if they would have just returned to the fear of the Lord, they would have realized their God had not held out on them. And the beauty is, is that the very core of God's word, <laughs> unlike the one that brings death, the core, the inside, just past the surface of God's word, it provides life. Read with me from Proverbs chapter 3 and Proverbs 19 and Proverbs 31. Watch this. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. The fear of the Lord leads to what? Life. Bringing security and protection from harm. Charm is deceptive and beauty doesn't last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. See, that's the thing. If we can just look past the appearance and look at the core, the core of God's word, strength for your body, healing for your body, strength for your bones, it's life, it's protection from harm. It's, it creates a life that gets greatly praised. And the reason for all of this is that wisdom is unchanging. As we bring this to a close, I want us to think about this. This is a truth that we need to have, but this is also one that's hard for our society today. Wisdom comes from the word of God, and both are unchanging. I'm going to say that again. Wisdom comes from the word of God, and both of them are unchanging. There is a move going on right now, even among some churches that's like we're now finally at a place where we know better we know more we're more evolved we're more blah 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 so we can now rightly divide for ourselves what the bible really meant or what it should be or like that's kind of old news it's outdated and blah 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 no the word of god is unchanging there's some things that are just unchanging right let me give you a couple there's never going to come a point in time in your life where you're going to look at your toddler and go you know what Forget looking both ways before you cross the street. It's good to go now. <laughs> or, you know what? The pet rattlesnake, I think he's finally friendly enough. Feel free, go play with him. It's unchanging. God and his word will never change. Um, and that's a good thing. Let me tell you why. Because if we can go to God's word and go, well, his stance on this or his stance on that, or we just know far, far better now in our culture, if that can change, then let me tell you what else can change. If you can change that about his word, then his love for you can change. And his grace can change. And his mercy can change. And his forgiveness can change. And then we are in some hot water, folks. But because his word holds true, <laughs> his grace holds true. And his mercies are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. Right? He is unchanging. He is a strong, firm foundation. Jesus is our cornerstone. You know what that means? A cornerstone was this piece that they would put as they were getting ready to build a building. And the entire laid out of the rest of the building was based solely on that cornerstone. 
where your walls are going to be, where they go. Everything is based off the cornerstone. You don't start with the cornerstone and then figure out whatever else you want to do. You start with the cornerstone and it directs everything else that you do. Everything is based off of it because it's unchanging. It's immovable. It's firmly in place to hold up that building. And Jesus is meant to be firmly in place to hold up your life. And we need to have a fear of the Lord because wisdom is unchanging in the same way that his love is. And just as wisdom and the nature of God is unchanging, hear me on this, so is the plan of the enemy. He's brilliant, but can I tell you something? His old bag of tricks hasn't changed. Thousands of years ago, he looked at Adam and Eve and he said, did God really say? And then he looked at him and said, you won't die. You stepping outside his wellness commands, it's not that big of a deal. In fact, you must do it to find happiness. Kind of sounds the same, doesn't it? And then he questions the nature of God. He's just holding out on you because he doesn't want you to really be like him. So he's just, he's holding back. So you just need to take it for yourself. His plan has not changed, but neither has wisdom. The enemy still wants to convince you towards death. The king wants to drag you towards life. Check the source. Don't just look at the surface. Don't just go, well, it looks beautiful. It looks good. It looks like it's wisdom. It looks like it'll make me happy. Oh, it'll make you happy for a second. That mansion eel fruit, that first bite you take, ooh, this is pretty good. Just give it some time. That area that the enemy has looked at you and he's like, if you just take this, you'll finally be happy. Oh yeah, that first bite, you're probably gonna be happy. But brokenness and pain is coming. Check the source. Fear the Lord. Return to a holy awe of God. Ask him for wisdom and then follow after his word. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to bring the lights down. I've got, I've got four kids. And I love them dearly. I would take a bullet for every single one of them in a without even a second's thought. I would trade places with them in any moment if it was death on the line, hands down. I've got incredible wishes for their life. I'm praying and believing and asking God for good things for them. And one of the things that I pray is that God would protect them from the wisdom of the enemy. See, the thing is this, um, have a good father you have a good father in heaven who loves you more than you could possibly imagine who's rooting for you who's for you not against you who's given you the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you and direct you from sampling that rotten poisonous fruit of the enemy but can I tell you something every single day your enemy is going to come up with a new version of that fruit for you 
so I'm pleading with us today let's be people who are so rooted and grounded in the fear of the Lord God you are good God you are holy God you are amazing God you are beautiful God you have loved me God you have one of the prayers that I pray it's a um, it's a prayer model and it's A-C-T-S adoration confession thanksgiving supplication I start, and I do this at six o'clock in the morning when I'm on the elliptical, killing myself, right? <laughs> Sweat's dripping down, and I'm looking like an idiot in the gym as I'm just literally just running, and I'm looking at my brain, and I'm going, God, you're beautiful in my eyes. God, I remind myself that I have everything that I need in you. God, I remind myself that your word is true and has come through time and again. God, I remember that you've come through for my family, and you've blessed us. God, I remember that you are holy, and I am not. I remember that I am full of grace and power and might because they have all come from you. God, I'm reminded that mercy is new for me every single morning. God, I remember I have countless things to be thankful for because you have blessed me in more ways than I could possibly imagine. And as I do that, what I'm doing is I am renewing my thoughts. I'm renewing my mind to the truth so that when the enemy comes with his poison-filled apple and goes, Josh, he's holding out on you, I go, no, no, no. No, he's not. Because he's a good dad. I plead with you today. Run to your father. Let's do that right now. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And as I pray, I want you to pray along with me. And I want you to renew your mind. May we as a church today return to an awe of God. May we return to a fear of the Lord. Father, we come before you. Lord, we are aware of the tricks and plans of our enemy. We are aware that he presents what seems like wisdom, but is most certainly death. We are aware that he attempts, Lord, to bring destruction and pain into our life. And so this morning we renew our minds. God, you have blessed us. You have given us everything we need for life and godliness. We have everything that we need in you. You are our source. You are our supplier. You are everything that I long for. You are everything that I need. God, I want to search after you and your will and your word like, like it's gold or silver or treasure. God, I want, to, I want to long for the truth that you give like it's the greatest joy of my life. God, I want your word to be like David declares, it's like honey on my lips, that it's sweet to the taste. God, I'm praying that this morning, God, that we as a church, that we would return to a holy awe a true fear of the Lord so that when the enemy comes with his incredible destructive sales pitch that we will see it for what it is God as we worship you today I pray would you do something special in our heart would you form our heart would you do a work inside us that can only come from you in your mighty name we pray